0: Okay, so thank you very much for coming over here. I am mostly known for a blog called Tech Dirt, but I also run a research and consulting company called Floor64. We recently published the second edition of a series of reports that we've done called the sky is rising looking at the state of the entertainment industry based on a variety of actual numbers and data out there Uh, the first report looked at the global industry and the second report that we just came out with last month looked at six specific countries to focus in on really in part to, to determine if what we saw as the global trends were seeing the same thing on a on a more local basis a key focus of the report was to find as credible and useful data as possible rather than some of the more questionable numbers that get thrown around at times. Normally when I do presentations like this, I do one of two things. One is do a really flashy PowerPoint presentation with like 300 slides in 10 minutes. If you go on YouTube, you can find some of those. I'm a little famous for them. and or I do a, a really wonky kind of discussion, which I go through a whole bunch of numbers from the research and I, I and I was thinking about for doing this, I decided to do neither of those things. So this is a little different for me what what I wanted to do was given this sort of setting the the time limit that we had and this event as a whole, which I you know I always love coming here. I've gone to. Definitely the majority of them, I don't quite know how many SF music texts at this point, but an awful lot of them. And, and you know, one of the important things I think is discussions. I, I wanted to do hopefully a very quick discussion on just a couple of sort of key points that I think came out of the research and then really open it up to Q&A and whatever. We don't have that much time, but hopefully we can have a little bit of, of Q&A. So I wanted to start with sort of three key facts that I think came out of the research and then a little bit of discussion of what we think they mean, and then I'll open it up to discussion. So fact number one, More money is being spent today on entertainment than in the past, and that number has continued to grow pretty consistently, especially over the past decade. This is true across the overall entertainment industry and if you look specifically at music. This is a slightly different story than you may have heard elsewhere. We've all seen the charts about Music sales dropping tremendously—you know, approximately fifteen percent off the of their height—but that's only one piece of the puzzle. And if you actually add up all of the money being spent and all of the money being earned, it has actually continued to rise at a surprisingly steady rate. It's. it's Im- important to note also that consumers' direct spend on entertainment has also continued to rise. There's no evidence that people have stopped spending on entertainment over the past decade. And so what this means, at least, is that the the money is still there, but often it's just going into new or different areas than it has in the past. Fact number two more content is being produced than ever before, and this is true by a wide, wide margin. The exact numbers are are certainly tricky to come by, but you can certainly make a very, very strong case that in the past decade alone, more music has been recorded than all of human history before that, which for recorded music is really the, the previous century. You could even potentially make the case this and I think there's enough data to support that there's a multiple involved here that somewhere between three to five times as much music was produced in the last 10 years as really the 100 years before that. So if there is a concern that because of shifting music business models or shifting technology that people would not produce music, there is very little evidence to support that. Of course, that does not mean that all music is professional or that everyone is able to earn money from that music, but we will get to that. And fact number three, there are more ways to create, to promote, to connect with fans, to distribute and to monetize music than ever before. And I think that one is not particularly controversial. In fact, it's pretty clear from the data that more people are making money today from music in some manner than ever before in history. So what does this all mean? That can get a little bit more complicated. Certainly for the public, I think it's a very good thing. For all of us who are consumers of music, which I hope is everyone in the room, it's a good thing. There's more music available. There's more great new works coming out all the time. And we should be celebrating this. Oftentimes, that gets lost uh, in these discussions. It certainly means good things for many musicians and that there are more opportunities before than ever before to make some money from creating music. But this is the part where it begins to get tricky. And that's because, of course, this is not all evenly distributed and it is not necessarily easy for all artists. And there are a few factors here, which is that because we've seen more and more artists creating more and more music, it's also meant more and more competition. Uh, which is a challenge also the fact that business models have been upended means that there's no clear roadmap used to be a fairly straight straightforward roadmap if you wanted to become a professional musician you had a small number of choices and many people would try that and then fail out and go nowhere or other people would would go through but the roadmap at least was clear today the roadmap is all over the place there's no clear roadmap and finally the fact that there are many new services involved means that the new business models that are popping up and taking place are not fully developed. And new ones are coming up all the time. And it's very, very early in that process. And so that sort of adds to the challenge. So yes, there is a a larger pie, meaning more money available. And yes, there are more opportunities. But it's still a challenge for many artists because figuring out how to get some of that money is a very, very different process than it was in the past. And it's never necessarily clear as as to how to do that. What this means is that for some artists who've had success under the old system, they can certainly have more trouble making it work today. But it also means that for many artists who in the past would not have made any money at all, which is that they would have failed out under the old roadmap, is that they now have many new chances and new opportunities to at least make some money. And that's great, I think, for most artists. But certainly more needs to be done to establish full and sustainable living, uh, the ability to earn a full and sustainable living. And so the last bit is a, a little bit more controversial, which is that we saw in, in the latest report when we were looking in specifically at different countries, one of the things that we saw was that there was a really strong connection between the number of new legitimate authorized services that were, were showing up in countries and the ability for artists to make money in those, in those countries. And one example we saw was in Russia, where there's actually been a fair amount of trouble or difficulty in, in monetizing music. There were very few music services, and and the growth of those music services did not track to other countries where we were seeing uh, similar growth in terms of the ability to, to make money. So enabling and allowing different services to show up and to thrive seems to be a fairly important part of this equation. And so finally, one of the things that we saw in the success stories for artists who are making money and are figuring out how to, how to take advantage of these new opportunities is that they, they certainly had some, some common characteristics which mostly involved really connecting very, very closely with their fans. And, you know, I say this and, and people react in different ways and they say, oh, you know, well, you know, I don't want to tweet or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, what we saw is, it, you know, connecting with your fans isn't the same thing for everyone. For some people, it means, you know, using Twitter and connecting on Twitter. For some people who don't like to tweet, there are other ways to do it. There are, you know, other artists have, have figured out, you know, what their community expects of them and what and what they expect of, of their fans around them, and so figuring out where that that connection is is important. But there has to be some sort of connection there, and and you know this is less data driven but but more fuzzy. You know one of the things that we saw was that you know the artists that really seemed to connect tended to to present themselves in a, in a, what we. Considered a, a more open and sort of human way, you know. I think uh, you know more traditionally we sort of would hold artists on on some sort of pedestal and keep them separate, and it was almost you know kind of a plastic vision of what an artist was. But but the really successful artists today who are really being very successful are are presenting themselves in 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 a way that's very open and very very human, and people connect and and value that, and and that seems to to make a big difference. So the key thing's just to sort of summarize this is that you know what we saw very clearly is that there's more money out there and more content but there's a lot more content entering the market than there is necessarily money. So the money is definitely spread thinner. But at the same time, there are tremendous opportunities for those who simply had no market at all in the past. And so you know, the lesson that we got out of this is that hopefully the key focus should be on helping those markets continue to grow as fast as possible and helping to enable more artists to take advantage of these things and to take advantage of the opportunities as they go forward. So that's sort of the really quick summary. Again. There were a lot of numbers and data behind this that I didn't get into, and there's a lot of other stuff, but I wanted to just sort of go through those points and then hopefully take some questions. All the way in the back. Sure, so the question is basically, if, if you're talking about other platforms besides Twitter, you know, what uh, what would they be, And and so talking about you know, maybe specific genres or, or niches like jazz or classical, where, where maybe the, the audience isn't necessarily there. You know, first of all, I, I would say I don't necessarily know. You know, Twitter certainly has gotten so big now that I don't know, necessarily know that the audience isn't there. And there are certainly you know artists like Zoe Keating who's here and and around who does classical music and has a tremendous Twitter following and has really you know used that very well. So, you know, there are cases where where that's true. But you know, I, I think in cases like that where there are specific audiences and there are specific issues you know or or specific uh, targets you know it's figuring out where they are today you know where do they where do they congregate now are fans of, of a certain style of jazz you know, congregating on a certain blog or a certain email newsletter or, or what and, and figuring out where they are and then figuring out a way to join in the conversation. It's not to go there and to advertise because that that's sort of, you know, if you just sort of jump in and say, and, and, and do it as purely an advertisement, that often pushes people the wrong way. But if it's, if you, you know, present yourself and sort of, you know, join the conversation is really the, the simplest way to think about it. You know, it gets people to, to react well and to say, you know, who is this person? How, you know, how do I learn more about them? And it allows them to begin to make a connection with those fans. But a lot of times it's really about figuring out where those people are already and, and figuring out how to join that, that conversation. <laughs> so the question was, in terms of the more money being out there, is that really, effectively you're asking, is that just going to YouTube, <laughs> 2 right? Or Lady Gaga or whoever, right? Yeah, so I, I can... After this, I can sort of I can get you some more specific numbers, but there's definitely I mean some of it is that that the the giant acts are making a ton of money, but there is also definitely more money available for that middle class layer. It's very very disjointed though, which is a part of the problem, and certainly a part of the problem in terms of trying to figure out you know what money is out there and what money is being spent and where it's going. It's going to a lot of different places and. And a lot of it is spread, r- spread across a, a much larger number of artists. But the overall amount that is going, going to them is certainly on the increase as well. So I have basically, I think, time for one more question, I think. From sure. Yeah, sure. If, if you want to see the, the research itself, if you go to techdirt.com tech slash sky is rising, written as one word, Sky is rising. That's the first one. You can do Sky is rising two. The, just the number two is for the second report. But there's a link from the first one. So if you go to the first one, you can then dig in and go to the second. I think that might give me time for one more question. Yeah. I get a nod. Okay. Do we have one more question? Yeah. Um, so the, the question is, uh, we talked about sort of top line revenue, but going down, you know, are the costs higher as well because? you can certainly make the argument if the costs are much higher then you know, that there's less at the, at the, you know, at the end for musicians. And actually it, you know, again, some of it is that it depends and, and, and it's an area that we're doing more research in because we don't have enough of that data yet. Partly it's because you know, so much of that money is being spent in so many different ways, it's tough to sort of collect all of that kind of kind of information. But it appears that, you know, one of the, the great things when, when you start to look at things like the kind of middle class musician area, which is where people have a lot more interest in general, is that there is a shift in that, while there are certainly a lot of costs involved, the amount of money that then nets out to the musician is often higher than in the past. And that's, if you start looking at the percentages, you know, when you had, if you look at a traditional record label, major record label deal, you know, the royalty percentages that people were getting, depending on if they're songwriters or just the musicians, you know, you're talking 10 to 15%, and you have to earn out the advance first, and that never happens, and all these kinds of things. Whereas you look at the new services that are coming out, people complain about things like how much does Spotify pay or YouTube pay? But those are, are paying more and more these days. And other services like Bandcamp and Amazon and iTunes, you're getting a larger and larger percentage of the revenue than you were in the past. So there are still costs involved, but the ability to use some of these services and get a larger percentage of the money than you were in the past is actually, you know, we think speaks really well to, to, to everything. And I'm getting the hook from the, from the man with the sign over there. So thank you very much, everyone, for coming and listening and asking questions. And Thanks.